gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Father, we thank you that we can gather together as the body of Christ today. Thank you that we don't need to worry about tomorrow. We don't need to worry about today. Uh, that you know our needs and that you will provide for us. Thank you that as we um, deliberately choose not to put our focus on what the world is chasing after and the, what the world is worrying about, but we put our focus on the kingdom of God and uh, the righteousness that you have given us as a gift. You have given us the gift of righteousness. And so as we walk as your children in right standing with you, expecting good things, expecting for you to work in our midst, uh, to work through us, to impact the world around us for your kingdom and for your glory. We just, we just approach the day with um, a different perspective, a perspective that makes people want to know what we have um, that they don't, so that they would ask us and that we would give an answer for the hope that is in us. So thank you, Lord, that we can gather and worship you today and keep our perspective right, fixed on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. praise you, Lord. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for everything you've done. Father, we thank you. You are the perfect Father. You are a loving Father. You've given us everything that we need. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. Father, we thank you that we are the body of Christ in this location that we have the opportunity to come and praise you and sing together. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, we'd like to dismiss the kids right now, and you'll be back in your newly renovated kids' location. Thank you very much. Well, I'd like to wish a happy Father's Day to all my fellow fathers today and grandfathers. Uh, we have a good we have a good example in Father God, don't we? Amen. Well, this morning I'd like to teach a little bit on Matthew 17, 24 through 27. It says, When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipating in him said, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes, from their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, 
then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. As I was thinking and, and praying a little bit about what I should share today, I remembered a conversation we had in a, one of our first year Karis classes, um, well, a couple years ago now almost. And um, I heard about this perspective that I'm going to present first uh, from Susanna Shackley. So thank you for the idea. Um, and it's an in interesting perspective to me, or it was, and, and hopefully we'll, you'll find it the same. Um, this finding the coin in the fish's mouth was certainly a miracle, right? Not only was the money provided for the taxes, but it was the exact amount that was needed, and it was from the first fish that was caught. So, you know, God knew ahead of time what they were going to need, right? Because God is in all time at the same time. He knows what we're going to need and when we're going to need it. So whatever happened, this coin ended up in the sea, and this particular fish that was going to be caught and needed to supply for the taxes was in the right place at the right time. And, you know, one thing that's interesting to me is that... Um, Although, as much as I don't like to pay them, Jesus did not dispute that taxes are need to be paid, right? <laughs> so, you know, as time comes around, we'll need to remember that, right? But although this sets the precedent that God can supply our needs in a miraculous way, it's important to remember that God does not counterfeit money, right? He didn't create the money in the fish, but rather he had the fish miraculously, miraculously find and swallow the Roman coin that Peter needed. It was a specific coin, a specific one that was needed for the specific tax. God occupies all time at the same time. So he knows our needs even before we do, right? Because he's already there. He's already there in that piece of time when our need manifests itself. I think it's a mistake to, for us to pray and then wait on God for rain down money from heaven. Because that, to me, is a little bit like counterfeit. But God does use people, and sometimes fish, and other objects, to get finances to us. He can do it in a very unexpected, supernatural way, but it will involve people and existing resources and currency. In Luke 6, 38, it says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, would be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. We need to believe that the Lord hears and answers our prayers, and then pray for the people he's going to use to deliver that answer. This could be our employer, it could be the person who buys our goods or services, or it could be any number of people. It can be an opportunity for an investment, whatever it is. God uses other people to supply our needs. The Lord also blesses what we set our hands to do. When in need, we should seek God's direction for something to set our hands to, and then trust him to bless it and multiply the results of our work. Remember, like we said last week, God is 
Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. That's not just a name. That is his essence, his nature. You know, God has a lot of names, but he is provider. God is our provider. It doesn't always look like that sometimes, but it, it is. It says, uh, if we do not invest our efforts into seeing our provision manifest, 100 times zero is still zero. Many of us have missed our miracle because we never took that first step of faith and used what we already had. God can give us a creative idea today that will bless us and make us a blessing to others. And we will we seek and we will find. So remember, God is faithful, but we need to participate. It's a faith thing. Faith activates grace. The grace is there, our faith and our Reaching out, our, our activating our faith gives us grace. So we are blessed to be a blessing to represent Christ to the world. Thank you. Um, there are ways, the various ways to give in the offering are, we have the box in the back with envelopes and pens. Your offering can be brought to the church office on Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., uh, it can be mailed to the church office, River Valley Christian Church, 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue North, Lake Elmo, Minnesota, 55042. Or you can give online at rvcc.info slash donate. There's a button on the bottom. The other ministries of RVFM also have links on the rvcc.info website. You can pull those down and give us as you are led. Um, we appreciate it. And uh, thank you very much. Father God, we do thank you that you are our provider. You are our source. Even when it doesn't seem like the provision is there, you know what we need. And you are already there providing for us. Father, we thank you for the faithfulness of this congregation, of the offerings and the, the, the tithes and the alms that have been given. And Father, we ask your blessing upon people as they reach out in faith to receive your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we do. Thank you so much for your giving. Thank you for being a blessing. You know, the, with everything that's happened over the last three, four months, you know, all the uncertainty, all the, the craziness, uh, you know, people had no idea how not meeting for month, you know, weeks at a time would affect churches, would affect, would affect things like that. And I'll just let you know, never skipped a beat. Hallelujah. We never, never missed anything. Uh, you guys, you know, God is faithful, number one, but he's faithful through his people. The Bible says that, that people will give into your bosom. They'll give, and you'll be blessed overflowing. We're overflowing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're an absolute blessing. Thank you so much. Happy Father's Day. Glory to God. Very cool, yeah. Now, is there a special uh, like father-in-law day? Is there like a father? Because I get to do that one this year. If, uh, you know, happy. Good morning, Mr. and Mrs. Neitzel. How are you doing? Good, good to see you. Now, that's what I'm talking about, going to church on your honeymoon. You know, there you go. They got their priorities right, hallelujah. 
I raised him right. That's the way it ought to be good. <laughs> Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to talk about fathers a little bit. You know, it's, it's, uh, I don't always talk about whatever theme is uh, going on at the time, whether it's Father's Day or Mother's Day, Christmas time even. You'll notice that I don't always, during Christmas, don't talk about Christmas. It's just, you know, it's almost too easy. But it's, you know, how much more can you say about fathers? Because um, it's all been said. It's all been, but, but the word is, is fresh, and I think there's something here that we can get uh, during this time, but especially from these verses. Now, you'll also recognize that I didn't just pick these verses because it's Father's Day weekend or Father's Day. Uh, I picked them because they were the verses read today in our, uh, in our uh, daily reading as a church. Uh, we are, we've been uh, um, reading through the Bible every day for, oh, how many years now? I ask this every once Quite a few, many years, t 12, 14, 16 years. We're coming to the end of this rotation. We'll be, we, we, we read through the Bible every two years. Uh, every day there's Old Testament, New Testament, and, and Psalms. And uh, we'll be in September, that'll be ending up, then we'll be starting again. I mean, it's not something we have to pray about, should we do it again? It's just something, it's a good discipline to get a part of your life, being in the Word every day. And so uh, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 3, says, Consider him, it's talking about Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Have you ever wondered how Jesus could put up and do what he did, not only at the cross, but how he could do it every day of his ministry? I mean, from the very beginning, people were against him. From the very beginning, people hated him. From the very beginning, people tried to even kill him. A couple different times, they, they tried to throw him off a cliff one time. They were going to take him and, you know, they had plotted against him. He had just raised somebody from the dead and they plotted against him to kill him and the guy they raised from the dead. I mean, that's just, you talk about ignorance gone to seed. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, you, God raises somebody from the dead miraculously, let's kill him. You know, well, hello. But how did Jesus day in and day out put up? How could he do what he did and have the strength to do it? Well, there's also a verse which we're not going to read today. It says that he learned patience from what he suffered. He learned patience from what he suffered. Another way to say that, I'm not, I don't want, I'm not changing the words. I'm just, you know, another way to say it would be he, and he learned uh, um patience through discipline he disciplined himself god disciplined him so that when it when life got tough he wasn't trying to figure out how he's going to make it when life got tough he was tough he was ready amen all right consider him who endured from sinners this is verse three again such hostility against himself so that you you so that you say me Look to your person next to you and say, you, you, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Now, 
I, I want to address this right from the very beginning because, you know, I want to get your mindset right. I want to get your head in the right place as we talk about this because immediately when you hear the word discipline, you think of punishment. That's, that's, the, mo- that's the, the first thought that pops into your head. You know, I mean, if I were to say I'm going to discipline you, you're going to think, try it, you know. <laughs> you know. But, you know, if, when it's your child, I'm going to z- discipline you. They, you know, they start doing this. You know, they put their hands in, uh, you know, the right places, protecting themselves. You know, I'm going to discipline you. Oh, does that, what, what am I, what's going to be taken away now? You know, what's going to be, what do I have to do extra? You know, all of those things that we think. Of. And, and you're actually not wrong. But we look at that as a bad thing. You know, we, uh, I, I, I've been thinking all morning, I'm not going to pick, on, if he comes this morning, I'm not going to pick on my son. But there were so many wonderful things that happened during his childhood that, uh, that I, you know, around discipline. We used to have a, a, what's called Mr. Whack. <laughs> Remember Mr., you know, do you have anybody who went through uh, raising God's, or raising kids God's way? Do you ever went through that training? How many went through that? Just raise your do you have any? Oh, yeah, there's a few. There's a, raising kids God's way. Well, we got to do that again, okay? We need, to, we need to bring that back. Hopefully they've updated it because the hairstyles look bad and everything. But <laughs> raising kids God's way talks about how to discipline children in a godly manner. How to, how to discipline ch- children. And spanking is godly. Spanking is godly. It just is. And uh, so the way they talk about it is to do it in such a way that you're not, you know, abusing your children. Of course we don't want to abuse children. Of course we don't want to, you know, we don't want to beat them every time. We, just, <laughs> we don't want to beat them, for the record. But we want to discipline them. And the way they, they talked about doing it is there was a piece of shoe leather, you know, about a foot long. And, um, you know, and, and you, would, you would, you know, spank certain, you know, the buttocks. You would, you would, you would, isn't that word weird how that word is just so funny? It's just a great word. Buttocks. Yes. So you, and you spank, and, and you, would you talk about it beforehand? This is what you did wrong. This is how you did, blah, blah, blah. Here's, and then this is how, what your, what the, you know, your punishment is. And then you love and pray for the kid. We always did that. We, I, lo- I told, you know, I'd tell him every time I loved him before. I loved him after. I'm not doing this because I'm angry, but you need to understand that there's discipline, that you need to discipline, and, and the best way to remember discipline is through suffering. Okay? Well, so, I, you know, my grandfather one time ta- told about how his mother had, a, had a, a willow switch on a sign in the kitchen. It hung in the kitchen, and it was a willow switch, you know, and, and it was hung on these two little pegs, and there was a sign that says, I need thee every hour. Uh, so... <laughs> From the old hymn. Um, but, you know, you, you raise your children. Well, you know, there was a point where Ethan, you know, I would have to say, okay, it's your turn. Because, you know, I mean, after a while, you just can't. Because he was so stubborn. He, you, you think he's stubborn now. Just wait. I mean, before, I'm praise, you're going to thank me for disciplining him. <laughs> the stubbornness that was in him out. But at one day, there was one day where it just ended. And from that moment on, if I told him to do something, he'd do it. If I asked him, you know, blah, 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 it, one of the neighbor kids said, oh, Ethan's lying. I went, no, Ethan doesn't lie. Because we, we dealt with that. You know, we fixed that. God, God, it was, so goes on past that. A few years go by, and Ethan one day, we're working out in the garage, and he goes, hey, Dad, 
do, do you still have a Mr. Whack? <laughs> and I said, yes, I still have three of them. One for, you know, one for you, one for Tally, and one that we're going to keep just in case. You know, I mean... <laughs> for the grandchildren. For you just... <laughs> wow. Wow. That's all I'm going to say is wow. 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 She's not here. She, she's not here. She's not here to stop me. <clears throat> he goes, okay, moving on. So he says, he goes, Dad, do you, do you still have a Mr. Wack? And I said, well, of course. I said, why? And he goes, well, I'm, you know, can I have one? Because, you know, someday we'll have children. I'll have children. I said, really? Are your kids really going to need to be spanked? And he looks at me and he goes, this is, you know, 10, 11 years old. He goes, Dad, every kid needs to be spanked. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just reality. We, we need to be disciplined. Why? Because we're, when we're born, we're born in sin. And we're born foolish. And we're born unknowing, un, un understanding. The first time I ever had to spank Ethan. Wow, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop. I really am. The first time I ever... First time I ever had to spank him is he just innocently crawled over to the wall and you have the plug-ins, you know, in the wall and he started to breach his finger out to touch the plug-in. It wasn't like he was being, you know, evil or, you know, bad. It's just he, he was going to do something that was going to hurt him far worse than a spanking was. Well, I just, I walked over. I mean, he crawled over. So I walked over, I picked him up, put him back in the middle of the room and I said, no. And I'm, no sooner had I put him down and said no, he crawled over to the thing and started to do it again. And I walked over and I picked him up, I looked him in the face, and I said no, and I put him down. And he crawled over and he started, just as he started to look, he looks back at me. <laughs> like, what are you going to do about it? First banking. He understood what he was doing. We understand. We need, to, we need discipline in our life. Verse 6. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. You know, you don't discipline somebody you don't care about. You see somebody you don't care about heading towards a light socket? Okay. Good luck. You, you discipline people who lo that you love. For the discipline, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. If your father did not discipline you, did not train you to be godly, to be obedient, to be kind, then he didn't love you. You know, when you're going through it, that's not, and we're going to talk about it, it's not fun when you're going through the discipline. But the results of no discipline or lack of discipline is far worse. We're seeing it in the world today. That is, the world is the lack of discipline in children, people. 
Well, you know, and, and you know, the first time I heard, and I was young, the first time I heard, oh, don't spank a child because because you need to what you need to do is show them love. Well, yeah. You show them love by saying no. No, you can't act like that. Stop it. You know, and and, and God talks about in the rest of these verses about what happens when you discipline. Because you know, here's what I need to clarify again. Discipline isn't just the spanking or just the punishment. There's more to it. The, the actual definition of discipline is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior, and then it says using punishment to correct disobedience. There we are. The next definition says the controlled behavior resulting from discipline. If a person is disciplined, it's because you've been disciplined. And discipline is a good thing. You know, it's a, and, but it takes training, it takes time, it takes work. Now, I want to get off the punishment part so that we just get that. I mean, because a lot of people, when you hear about the, you know, God and the Father disciplining, you go, oh, here's another one of those sermons. We're going to talk about all the bad things I've done and how God's mad at me. No, I never, I tried to never discipline my children when I was angry at them. You know, it doesn't always work, but it, you know, that, that's not how you want to discipline. You want to discipline to correct bad behavior. But discipline isn't just the correction. You know, let's, talk, let's get off that subject. Let's talk about something different. How many want to be strong and, and, and able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, physically? Who wants to be able to do that, especially as we get older, right? Yeah, we all want to. Let's just say it that way. We all want to. But we all don't do what it takes to be there. Now, I've been thinking about this all morning, and I've been thinking about who to pick on. And so, uh, Danny. Danny? Yeah, yeah, you, that's right. Danny, uh, do you still do push-ups? Yeah, you still do push-ups? You want to come up here real quick? Come on up here. Come up here on the stage so everybody can see you. So that the video camera can see you. Just you know, point towards them. Give me 10. Give me 10. All right, 10. Here we go. Look at that. Ooh, count them, count them. Five, six, 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 seven, eight, nine, ten. Good job. Stay there, stay there, stay. Whoa, 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 stay, stay. Stay there. Now, that's great. Everybody expects him to be able to do that, right? I mean, that's, the, of course, Danny is good. Why? Because he's young and he's strong, you know, and he, and, you know, of course, so then, now let's pick somebody who isn't young, okay? Jerry. Jerry, you want to come up here and give me 10? No. <laughs> I get it. I don't want to show you 10 push-ups right now. I bet I could do them. It may take me a while, and they're not going to be consecutive. I can tell you that right now. But why, why, no, 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 you want to stay there. <laughs> but why can Danny do them and Jerry doesn't want to or probably can't? And I'll just be honest, I mean, why? Because Danny's continuing to do them. He's doing what it takes to be able to do push-ups. Now, I asked somebody before, that during the service, before the service, you know, do you still do push-ups? And he said, yeah. I said, how many can you do? Uh, I said, can you do 10? He goes, yeah, probably. Good. Ray, Ray, why don't you come on up here? 
What I didn't tell him was that he's going to do push-ups on international television. But come right up here, Ray. Get limbered up. All right, give me 10. Here we go. All right, count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah! All right. Now, Danny, I'm going to have you doing them again. And Ray, you're going to sit on his back. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You can sit down. Give him a big, give all of them, give him both of them. So here's the deal. How come Ray can still do push-ups? Because he still does them. You know, I asked him ahead of time. I wasn't going to, you know, tell somebody or have somebody come up that just absolutely could not do them. But how do you continue at, at what? 59? 60. 60. 68, 68. okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say it all right, but I just, you know, I was giving you the room to correct me. At 68 years old, to rip out 10 push-ups. Why? Because he continues to work out. He continues to do what it takes to get there. Now, also, I, you know, I, like I say, I picked him on purpose. I asked him on purpose because he still runs often. Still runs 5Ks at 68 years old. Still, how does somebody continue to keep in shape to do what they need to do to stay young? Well, you've got to do what it takes to do it. You know, years ago, I started getting into uh, self-defense. And I sold the company now. I'm not a, I don't do that full-time anymore. But I realized recently, I was just kind of messing around. I'm realizing, wow, I'm starting to lose what I had, what I was doing every day, and I could do it without thinking, I'm starting to lose some of the technique and the, and the ability. I need to start working out again. I need to start training again. But we, we had a saying, the time that you need self-defense, the, the time you need to learn self-defense is not when you need self-defense. You need to train like you're in a situation far before because when you get into that situation, it's too late. When you get into that moment, you lack the discipline to do what you have to do. You lack the mental discipline. You lack the physical discipline. You lack the discipline. You lack the ability to do what you need to do to protect yourself or to protect someone else if, if you don't do it any other time. So that same truth goes for your spiritual walk as well. Our spiritual walk isn't something that we just reach out for when we need it. That spiritual walk needs to be trained far before any time that you really need it. Okay? Let's go on. Verse 9. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of our spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best for our good, to them for our good, that we may share his holiness. 
God wants to discipline you, wants you to be disciplined beforehand. Uh, now I'll talk, uh, now I'll tell stories on tally. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave Ethan alone. Because uh, I've told this one before, but you know, for, there's new people here, and it's just good to, it's a great illustration of, of how discipline isn't just punishment. I mean, you think it is at the time, but it's not punishment. You know, whenever we did project or stuff, we always, we did it as a family. Well, at least I did it with the kids. You know, if I'm on the garage, it's like, come on, guys, we're cleaning the garage today, or we're mowing the lawn. You're going to mow that half, then you're going to mow that half, you're going to trim, and you, you get your kids out working. You know, it's not bad to make your kids work. It's good, to, it's good to make them work. It's really good to make them sweat and get blisters and work. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Your parents asked, could you preach on this this week? I'm just, no, they didn't. I just kidding. But it's good to get them to work. Why? You know, because you're teaching them, you're giving them the discipline of how to work in the future. You know, Tally, and when, when the kids were, we were doing different projects, and I said, we're going to clean the garage today. You know, they didn't want to, okay? I won't say what she actually said, but I, you know, I mean, or the tone. I can't actually get the tone of a, of a 10-year-old girl uh, when you're asking them to do some work. It's just a scary thing. But that's... <laughs> You know, it's not always pleasant to be the one doing the disciplining, you know, dishing out, because I had to be out there and dealing with them the whole time they're whining and complaining. All right, so we're out there, and we're, we're cleaning the garage, and she's about 10 years old, and I had one of the most proudest father moments of my whole life. We're working, and all of a sudden she stops, and she goes, Dad, I get it. I said, you get what? Because I'm, I'm expecting, here we go, you know, here we go. I, what? And she goes, I get it, you're... You're making us work so that you teach us to work. I went, yes! Yes! It finally sunk in! Hallelujah! She goes, I get it, so that when we get older, we're not lazy and bad, bad people. Bad, I said, yes! Tally, you finally get it. I'm, I make you, I give you jobs, I have you do stuff so that to teach you to work. That's awesome that you get that. She goes, wow! She's looking off and she's like, I thought it was because you were lazy. <laughs> yeah, happy Father's Day, exactly. God has us go through things, deal with things, and gives us the tools to use, to gives us the ability, gives us all the wisdom, all the knowledge of his word. He gives us everything we need. There's a Bible, that, or there's a verse that says that. He gives you everything you need for life and godliness. He doesn't ask you to do anything that he hasn't prepared you to do. He doesn't ever just throw you into a situation. You know, when, when you, you know, teach the kids how to mow the lawn, you don't just sit in your lazy boy and go, hey, you, there's a lawnmower out there, figure it out. No, you take them out there, you start mowing, you actually start it the first time, and then you, you mow for a while and you, show, you make the lines. You know, nothing worse than the first time kid trying to mow and they don't know lines. They don't know, you know, left, right, forward, square, you know, it's just terrible. It's out there, it, they're a free spirit, you know, we're just gonna. <laughs> no, you, you show them, here's what I want and here's, I, and then you, 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 hand, you know, they, then you give them, you say, here's all the safety things. Don't stick your hands or your toes or anything in this area because it's a dangerous thing, just like life. Life is dangerous. So there, you know, and then, and then you stand there and you watch them. 
and you're watching them, and when they don't do, do, do it the way you told them, you correct them. That doesn't mean you're being mean to them. Sometimes they think you're being mean and picky and, and judgmental, and, you know, and sometimes we are. But it's really because there's a right way to do things. There is a right way to mow the lawn. You might not think there is, but there is a right way. Now, my right way may be different than your right way. And your, your right way may be different than your right way. But, but there is a right way, to, and here's how I want you to do it. And there's nothing more proud than 10 years later saying, hey, you, I'm sitting in, your, sitting in your lazy boy going, hey, go mow the lawn. Okay, Dad. And they go out and they mow it just like you taught them. It's awesome. You look out, the lines are straight, and they change directions you know, from one week to the next. Oh, it's a warm fuzzy for a dad. So if you guys want to give me something for Father's Day, go mow the lawn this afternoon. All right. But it takes work. It's just like in our spiritual walk. How can you expect the very first time that you're ever going to use your faith to have to use it for a life and death situation. If, if all of a sudden you've never opened the Bible, you've never prayed, you've never saw God, but you're born again. You got born again, that's awesome. The Bible says when you're, you know, when you're born again, you're like a baby needing milk. And a baby needing milk cannot handle a life and death situation. That's why, praise God for the church, if somebody comes in here, gets saved this Sunday, and next week finds out that they have a, a terminal illness, that's why the church jumps around them and holds them up and prays them and talks them through it and, and prays for them and all those things. But there are times when you have to deal with a life and death situation where you're not going to be able to call me or call one of your other friends who you know is more spiritual than you. That's when you need to stand all by yourself. That's when you need to, and you're not by yourself, obviously, because your Heavenly Father is right there, and He's watching you, and He's helping you. He's giving you wisdom. He's giving you everything you need. He's giving you the verses that give the promises of what He's given us already, what He's done for us, and He literally has done everything. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. We're going through life. You're going, you're going through life and all of a sudden you run into a financial situation. The first time, it's usually not that big. You're usually in your own, you know, still living in your parents' house, but you have a financial situation. And you have a need for, for some money to do something X, Y, Z. And, and so you, you, uh, you, know, you say, hey, I want to buy that game. I want to buy that bike. You know, there are times when a parent goes, hey, I'll buy that for you. Because I want to, you know, I'll show, here, here's, uh, here's how, you know, I, I provide, but there's usually strings attached. I, I usually always put strings attached, just because it's good. But then there comes a day when they say, I want to buy a bike. Good, figure it out. I've taught you everything you need to know, how to work, go get a job, mow the, you know, watch somebody's dog, water their flowers, whatever it is, and you need to, you want that, you want that bike? I've given you everything you need to do to go do it to figure it out, to raise the money, and to go buy it. Buy the best one, research which one to get. Don't just go buy the, the kids down the street because he wants to sell it. Because sometimes that's the one that's broken, and he's trying to unload it, having wisdom, teaching. You know, we're teaching those things. But as we move forward, all of a sudden, then you get into real life 
where you're trying to raise, you know, live for college, or you're trying to, to, you know, you have a financial thing where as a 20-year-old, it's like, wow, this is the end of the world. I don't have 50 bucks to put in my gas, you know, in my, in my tank for gas. You know, I, I wish my financial situations were 50 bucks to put gas in my car now. You know, I still remember years ago, years and years and years ago, probably whew, almost 20 years ago, uh, the gentleman that owned the woods over here came over and he said to me, he goes, he goes, I want to sell you this six acres over here on the other side of the power lines. And I said, well, okay, I'll pray about it. You know, I, mean, I didn't know. So I talked to Pastor Dan. We prayed about it. I was having breakfast with a gentleman one time because he says, uh, he goes, I said, yeah, this guy wants to sell us this property over here. And I, and I said, but I just, I cannot wrap my head around it. He wants $200,000 for that property. It was six acres and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, part of it was wooded. And, so it's worth it. It's worth, you know, it was worth more than $200,000. He says, I'll sell it to you for $200,000. I said, I just can't wrap my head around any way, shape, or form having to, to come up with $200,000. And the guy sitting across the table from me goes, you need $200,000? I could have it for you this afternoon. I didn't borrow it from him. I wasn't going to, you know. But it was that idea there's a different level of faith. There's a different level of understanding. You know, the whole idea of raising 300000 for a building, I just could not wrap my mind around it. But God took step by step saying, do this today, do this next. Say this this Sunday. Don't say anything the next Sunday. You know, I mean, just step by step. I've, I've, I've walked that out. Now, 300000 it's like, if he said raise 500000 I think I could, yeah, okay, let's do it. As a, number one, I'm not going to worry. Because it's not my deal, uh, right? It's not our deal. Amen. Same thing with whatever situation you're going through. If you find yourself in a financial, you know, bad financial situation, it's not your deal. Why? Because God says in his word, I'll, I'll give you one of the answers. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. Do you know how many times I had to quote that to myself to cheer myself up when we didn't have the money to, you know, to move forward? I'm not worried about this. Why? I don't, I don't care how it looks. What, what, if we, what if no more money comes in and we're just sitting there and we, keep, and we have an empty lot? Now I'm not going to worry about it because it's not my deal. My God shall supply all my needs. Amen. He's the one who said to do this. I'll believe him. Well, then you move on, and all of a sudden you come into another, a, a, a even bigger problem, a bigger situation with finances. You've, you've killed the lion. You've killed the bear. You can kill the giant. How could David do what he did? Because God trained him. My, my guess was his first kill wasn't a lion. It was probably, what's going to less freak people out? A bunny. Yeah, I know. So there were sad faces. Oh. oh, a gopher. Better? Was that better? A snake. Yes. Yes. So he killed, you know, he, he got used, he understood. So when he, when he saw that giant, that nine-foot giant over there, he goes, nothing. Come here. Let's do this. Why? Because he was disciplined. He learned his lessons on the backside of the mountain. He learned his lessons when nobody else was watching. He was in God's word. He was singing God. He was in his presence. He knew who his God was. He knew what his covenant with God was. Do you understand the covenant you have with God? Because most Christians don't. 
Most Christians don't understand that when Jesus died on that cross, that God said, everything that's yours, if you come and make covenant with me over, over my son's blood, everything that's mine is, is everything that's, he said, everything that's yours is mine. Everything that I had, all the sin, all the junk, all the horrible parts of my life, he wanted that to take it away from me, and I gave it to him. But then he also says, everything that's his is yours. Everything. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> no. No yeah, buts. No yeah, buts. Everything that God has, he's provided everything that you need financially, health-wise. When you, when you need healing from a, a life-threatening disease, you better have dealt with some colds. You better have dealt with some sore elbows. You better have dealt, you better have used your faith. Why not? Well, I, I don't want to use my faith for a headache because I have aspirin. Well, that's fine. Take the aspirin and pray over it. Why not? Work that faith. And if God says, well, see, I don't want to put anybody in a box. But if he says, don't take the aspirin, what are you going to do? Don't take the aspirin. Watch what God can do. I still take aspirin. I still take ibuprofen. I still do it, you know, especially after I've worked physically hard and my not 68-year-old body says, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> it's amazing how that makes you feel better. But for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Okay, Danny, can you do a burpee? Can you do a burpee? Come up here real quick. Ray, can you do a burpee? No, I'm not going to have you do it. It's a, it's just real quick. Just, just do one. All I need you to do is one. Because I want to sh- make a point here. And I, oh, no, no. Oh, face him. Face him. So here's how you do it. Jump first, then down, do a push-up, then back up, and then jump. Good. Who thinks they can do that? <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. A few younger people. Yeah. Was that fun? It was fun. Okay. Do five of them now. Now that you thought that was fun, do five. Ooh, careful. Ooh, yeah, yeah. One, two, three, four. Yeah, jump higher. Yeah, jump Five. Good, good. That was five. All right. Now, was that fun? Ten. 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 No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just joking. You can say, give him a big, a bigger round of applause. See, I should have picked somebody else. I should have picked somebody who thought one really was horrible. A lady? Jamie? <laughs> just kidding. No, the point I was trying to make is nobody likes burpees. Nobody likes burpees. I, one of my friends had a t-shirt that says, says nobody like, likes burpees, but that's okay because the burpees don't like you either. So, I mean, it's just that kind of physical exertion is no fun. But you do it anyway if you want to have the ability to, to be physically active at that level. 
You know, when I, back when I first started working out, I had that heart condition, I had the, the atrial fib, and they couldn't change, get it to stop for 30 days, and I, when they got that to stop, and, I, and the doctor gave me the okay, I was like, I'm not living that way anymore. I need to start doing something where I can lose some weight, get physically healthy, because I, I want to live to be as old as Ray. <laughs> and beyond. I want to be older than Pastor Dan. But I wanted to get physically active. So when I started, I went to, we were at the dome, because it was still cold, and the dome over here at the, at the thing where they have a walking area. And I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk. And I had no idea. I had not worked out in years and years and years. One lap around, it's not about an eighth of a mile, maybe a little bit more than an eighth of a mile. Walking, I'm winded. And I'm thinking, I can't even do a mile. I couldn't even walk a mile, let alone thinking about running a mile. Well, the next day, my body hurt. I didn't want to do it again. But I did want the benefits that come with doing it again. So I went again the next day, and I walked, and the next day, and walked, and the next day. And all of a sudden, I realized that first one quit hurting. The first lap. I actually did, wasn't winded. I wasn't, you know. And then I, I got to where I could do 16 laps, and I could speed up, and I was getting fat. All of a sudden, I started running. I ran a quarter of a lap, and I was like, whoa, whoa, that's crazy. That's nuts. But, by golly, I ran a quarter of a lap. And then I ran a half a lap amongst all the walking. And then I ran three quarters of a lap. And then I ran a full lap. Woo! And then a lap and a quarter and a lap and a half. And a lap, you know, you just, you, you kept exercising, exercising. And then one of the people in the church at the time challenged me because I was losing weight. I was starting to get fit. They said, will you run a 5K? I challenge you to run a 5K. And I was like, you've got to be kidding I don't run. I don't want to run. If I'm running, everybody else should start running. You know, get away from whatever, whatever I'm running from. But I just said, okay, I'll do it. So I started to train. And my goal, my goal was by, by uh, it was the Memorial Day weekend of that year that I would run a 5K. My, my two goals was that I was going to uh, run the whole thing. I wasn't going to walk it. I was going to run the whole 5K and I was going to pass somebody. Didn't care who it was, how old they were, if they were, you know, had a walker. I didn't care. I was going to pass somebody. And so I got there that day, and I ran the whole 5K. And I, and I passed a bunch of people, and some of them were younger than me. It was awesome! <laughs> but there was a lot of pain getting to that moment. There was a lot of suffering to get there. When we walk in our, our spiritual walk, there's going to be suffering. It's okay to suffer. It's okay to, to have to exert ener energy. Now, when I'm saying suffering, immediately your head goes to, oh, God's going to put sickness on me, and I've got to figure this out. No, you don't, God doesn't put nothing on you. There is plenty of sickness out here in the world. There's, a pro there's a plenty of financial problems. There's plenty of... And so you can deal with it one of two ways. You can just slog through and hope it turns out okay, or you can start applying what the Word of God says. 
Here's, find out what the Bible says about financial situations. Find out what the Bible says about healing. Find out what the Bible says about marital relationships. You know, if you want your marriage to be stronger, get in the Word. What does the Bible say about your marriage? Start learning. But it's hard. Because God will say, wash the dishes, man. You're going, what? What? Put the dishes away. Wow, she didn't ask. I have kids for that. Yeah. <laughs> but I can guarantee you there are benefits to doing the work. This morning I got up. I saw that the dishwasher was, the, light, the clean light was on. Deb is still sleeping. She's still recuperating. And I look at it and God didn't even have to say anything. I said, I'm going to wash the dish. I'm going to clean, I emptied the dishwasher. So I emptied the dishwasher and went back. I started doing what I was doing. Deb comes down and she goes, oh, did you empty the dishwasher? I'm like, Points. Points are good. Points, men, points are good. Ethan, points are good. Start banking them now, bud. Just work at it. Get ahead because there will be a day when you need them. <laughs> Trying to give you as much fatherly advice as I can as we move along here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we're going through life, you definitely have given us everything we need for life and godliness. Thank you for the discipline that you've given me, given us. Lord, we won't despise it, the, the tough times when, when you're standing back and just watching and going, well, figure it out. And it's not because you don't care. It's not because you don't love us. It's not because you've abandoned us in any way. But it's because you trust us enough to act like an adult. You trust us enough to act with the responsibility that you've trained into us to deal with whatever life issue is going on. Father, your word says that you never leave us and you never forsake us. So in those moments when you seem silent, it's not because you're not there. It's because you know that we can do it based upon the word of God and the training that we've had. Help us, Father, to get ready for the next thing, the next situation. Help us to not squander these moments. Help us to not lose the, uh, the, the opportunity that lies before us to strengthen ourselves spiritually before whatever happens next happens. We thank you for it. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.